morning, Fresno. This is Jonathan Keller. Good morning, Fresno. Hey, Jonathan. There we Keller. go. Jonathan Keller from California. The orchestra was the orchestra was just rocking out. They're they just, just didn't want to didn't want to decrease their volume they're there. Just very excited. Yeah. So, all ha- right. Happy to be with you. I am Jonathan Keller. I am John Girardi from Right to Life. Jonathan Keller from California Family Council. We are happy to be with you. We are having some slight technical difficulties thanks to our good friends at Comcast. <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, Hopefully they're not advertisers. No, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That I'm you pretty could, sure they're not. I was gonna say I don't know that you could pay me enough to take an advertisement, but you probably could. So I will say, Comcast, if, if hey. you do want to pay us enough, um, despite the abysmal service <laughs> from your product this morning, it's so bizarre. They're usually great, like 99% of the time, and then just today they screw us over. Only anyway. when you actually need them the most. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that's usually how it goes. Anyway. Uh, so I am Jonathan Keller and I am the president and CEO of California Family Council. We do this little show every week called Life Family Liberty. And I am always grateful to be joined. Actually, I would say in studio, but I'm grateful to join in his studio uh, to record this show. John Girardi from Right to Life Central California. Good to be here. So, John, we uh, we're a little bit thrown. So this show is going to be a little bit helter skelter. Uh, hopefully, not as helter skelter as the actual event that uh, for 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 which uh, that name is derived. But we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of different things today. Uh, last week, I was out of town, so we are coming back into the news after a one full week hiatus, which is two weeks in radio time. And John. People cannot see it, I think, right now unless they're watching on Facebook, but you were wearing a University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish ball cap. Indeed I am. Indeed I am. And I want, I'm glad that you're doing that because it is a good signal, even for those people that are listening on the radio, because I wanted to talk about a individual, 37-year-old uh, military veteran and former uh, candidate for the chairman of the Democratic National Committee and current mayor of the city in which that fine institution represented by your hat is well, located. Well, I, I would note that Notre Dame is immediately adjacent to that city. Ah, the Notre okay. Dame is actually its own technical municipality that if you mail oh. something to Notre Dame, you are mailing it to Notre Dame, Indiana, not South Bend, Indiana. That is, see, I got see, our own zip code. We got learn, our own thing. You learn something new every day. There you go. See, folks, I just want to say, for those of us here, you don't get to mail something to Fresno State, California. You just got to mail it to Fresno. Or exactly. Fresno Pacific, California. No, but Notre Dame, Indiana. That's um, We got our own zip code. We got our own mail post. Uh, we got our own post office. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, don't, don't lump us in. Don't be lumping us in with South Bend. Uh, of of uh, the city of which Pete Buttigieg is the mayor. A mayor who has not managed to get a Trader Joe's, but thinks he should run for president of the United States. Well, well, well. And now, I, we, now we come to it. I, I, I was going to say, John, that is kind of the the whole ball, ball of wax that I um I wanted you to be able to point out that Pete Boot Edge Edge Edge. I, I've heard it pronounced multiple names. I I, I was listening to uh, another Salem radio host this morning, uh, Hugh Hewitt, and he was saying that originally. Hugh that's right. You got to have it at least once. Originally, um, he was pronouncing it Buddha Judge, like the Buddha. The and Buddha Judge. judge. <laughs> Buddha Judge. That was the original pronunciation. But apparently, in his campaign headquarters, Mayor Pete has a sign that says boot, like B O T T, and then edge, edge, like E D G, twice. 
So I don't think he's a significant enough person for me to really focus on how his name. Should well, be I, I don't so. know, John. I, I Hugh Hewitt was talking on uh, Meet the Press yesterday with Chuck Todd, and I'm not gonna I'm not well, gonna drop the audio, but he was saying that you know, you know that he is the I believe the number three, number four in terms of fundraising. Here, here's the thing that will blow your ne- your mind, John. Well, oh, and and you know. Uh, uh, Donald Trump hasn't gotten any endorsements in South Carolina from anyone at the state government. Like, yeah. There's no way Donald Trump yeah. can win. It's okay. Oh, right. Hugh, Hugh has such a great record on predicting successfully uh, the outcomes of presidential it's, uh, primaries. It's, it's, a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Now, <laughs> now I, I will say this, however. He's definitely not just the flavor of the week. Well, I, I will say this. In terms of the... Uh, Donald Trump, and this is part of the reason why I think it's going to be interesting. Part of the reason why Donald Trump was able to be so successful in 2016, 2015 and 2016, was because he captured the interest, captured the hearts and minds of many people in the Republican primary electorate. Um, One mother of my co-host, as an example. and I, I would say, John, just, you know, uh, I, I say this with love and respect to your mom, because I do love and respect her and your dad both very mm-hmm. much. But if you would have asked me in 2015, when President Trump came down the escalator, if you would have said, you know, of all the people you know, of all the people you respect and admire uh, in the conservative pro-life uh, arena, uh, which one of those people do you think is going to be some of those, who are, are those going to be some of the first to come out in favor of uh, a candidate Donald J. Trump, the real estate mogul and New York playboy. Well, two of the people that I would not have expected at the top of that list would be one, Dr. Sharon Girardi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and another example, our, our mutual friend, Kyle Goddard. Uh, yeah. Kyle's father uh, is a Marine uh, veteran, uh, veteran of the war in Iraq in uh, Desert Storm and wounded in action. Uh, amazing man, you know, strong uh, Christian man, married to his wife for 40 years, you know, father of two sons, just great guy. Mm-hmm. I-, I would never have expected that Rick Goddard and Sharon Girardi would be two of Donald Trump's fiercest and most loyal supporters. And yet, yeah, they're there. Both of them, they were not Johnny Come Latelys that came around and uh, were supportive of him reluctantly, you know, a week before the general election and said, well, I guess we got to, you know, hold our nose, bite the bullet, whatever analogy you want to use. They were early supporters in the primary. Mm hmm. And uh, the reason I say that is that sometimes candidates catch fire and have a an odd appeal to the electorate that, frankly, I don't understand. So I will I will admit I am not normally a good judge of either primary candidate strength or of general election success. I, I will say, though, the, the I think there's a big difference, though, between Buttigieg and Trump. So boot edge edge, boot, I, I, whatever. I'm going to call him Buttigieg because that was sort of. How I heard of him in South Bend. Uh, Mayor Pete is gaining popularity precisely because he is a moderate, both in tone and in policies. All right. Yes. Trump was not a moderate in any way. Trump was able to galvanize and uh, Trump was able to galvanize people precisely because he was not being moderate more so in his pol- more so in his tone than in his actual policies actually policy wise trump is obviously he has some very different things as it relates to trade and stuff like that but especially in terms of how he has governed he's governed as a pretty middle of the road republican uh i would say though and so i think that's a big difference is that 
can you really galvanize people by being something genuinely different? I don't think there's anything about Mayor Pete that's really that different. I think he is pretty much a total middle-of-the-road Democrat, both in terms of his tone and in terms of his actual politics. So I don't know. I mean, just the fact that he happens to be from Indiana, I mean— all right. I mean, there are other Republican. There are other Democrats running who are from red states. I think maybe there's might be one or two. The, the, um, well, see, that's, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there the really thing. isn't. So there so. is one. There is Tim Ryan, who is the congressman from uh, Ohio. So yeah, I, and, I mean, and there's that's also the thing, you know, like, if you talk about thing, Democrats from red states, there's John Kasich. So. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, the only thing that really differentiates him is, I, I guess, Mayor Pete because he's he's gay. He checks one more box on the uh, intersectionality, you know, bingo card. But um, other than that, although, I, although I just I don't I don't get the fascination with him. Other than there are some Democrats who are like, all right, well, Beto seems like a total, you know, he seems pretty like an empty shell with a good haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie's pretty extreme. Um, Joe Biden keeps, you know rubbing ladies shoulders so let's go to this guy i mean honestly it could just be the press is knows that they are going to have to cover this race for you know a full gosh 16 months or so and they just want to like and and they're like okay well we got to focus on something now so they're no, turning no, to John, i mean we're, we're at this point we're at you know 20 months where we're not, now we're basically i think actually most almost exactly tomorrow we're actually i guess 19 months away from the election so no if you were hoping for only 13 months you you have at least a year and a half plus of hagiographic coverage of every possible democrat democrat nominee exactly i I saw a great thing from uh, eric erickson today on twitter saying instead of saying the coverage of mayor pete was obama-esque they said it's positively beto-esque there you go (laughs) just this week's version of it so when we come back we're going to keep talking about some of this and what this means for pro-lifers on today's episode of life family liberty Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be in studio with John Girardi. Hey, hey, hey. Good to be here. Thanks, everybody. I apologize for um, some the of the... internet completely dying yeah, the, 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 the audio internet, being bad. Something, yeah. Something's being funky, so I, I apologize. I'm not sure exactly what is happening, but uh, we are here, and if you're watching on Facebook Live, you are getting... Uh, you're still getting a stream, so that's good. Um, but John, I wanted to flip back a little bit. There's, there's lots of things we could talk about two weeks ago, I will say, or a week and a half ago, we did also have a phenomenal rally at the Capitol that we, if we have time, I may talk about that in the, in the final segment of the show, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to just loop back around a little bit to Mayor Pete and talk a little bit about, I just think the, um, the, the interesting thing that we're seeing happen where a lot of a lot of um how do i put this politely progressive christians are talking about uh the 
the fact that we saw this happen both with Beta O'Rourke in 2018, mm-hmm. and we're seeing it happen now a little bit with Mayor Pete. Um, Beto did not talk about his faith, I think, as much, but Mayor Pete has talked about his faith a little bit more. Yeah. Mayor Pete is um, very notably and openly a gay man who's married to another gay man. Um, he is also uh, pro... It'd be weird if he were married to a straight man. That That's true. That would be, that would that be, would be awkward. Very bizarre. Yeah. I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> um, it, but he also is, um, he is also pro-choice. Um, fairly aggressively so. When he was asked, I think he was by Chuck Todd about third trimester abortions, um, he went back to the tried and true, uh, or as Will Smith would say in Men in Black, old and busted, uh, message that... um, Oh, sorry. Uh, He went back to the tried and true slash old and busted thing that, uh, well, you know what? It's not my place as a male politician to get in between what a doctor and a woman are discussing yeah um so just exempt yourself from the conversation yes that is correct um rather than you know actually have to take a moral stance right and 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 it's also a thing it's, it's this not taking a moral stance but actually really taking a moral stance because you're saying you're, if if it's something that's so unimportant that every individual can make their own choices for themselves, uh, then obviously there's no role for you to get in. So by saying, oh, this is just something that a woman should leave to herself. Well, no, if it's actually murder, <laughs> if it's actually the killing of an innocent human being unjustifiably, then uh, this is a totally inadequate answer. So you're, you're taking a position. You're saying you don't think it's morally important or morally significant. And thus that you think it should be left up to every individual choice, just as you know, the choice of whether or not to remove a, uh, you know, remove your appendix or not. You, you're saying that the unborn child has the moral status of an appendix. So Eric Erickson wrote a piece this morning. And, and for many of you, uh, if you're not as familiar with Eric Erickson, he, uh, he is a, former never trump radio host and Who all of a sudden <laughs> his has kind of uh, shifted a little bit and is uh he actually has endorsed president trump for re-election just so you know in case any of you are listening again well, well what, what does he have to say okay so he after being very notably anti-trump and never trump in the 2016 election and very skeptical based on the president's character but also based john i i think this is an important thing to note a lot of people who were um, either never Trump during the election or did not vote for him or were very skeptical, part of it was not only based on his character. Part of it was also based on the uncertainty factor. Yeah. Well, he had never held elected office. Yeah. It seemed like he was promoting, to some people, it seemed like he was promoting these positions on abortion and other things that he seemed very conveniently to hold now that he was running for president. Was he actually sincere? How good would his judicial nominees be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to be fair, I think that the last three Republican presidential candidates, John McCain, Mitt Romney, Donald Trump, I think there is a large uh, portion of the conservative base that was skeptical of those individuals for policy reasons. Right. And I think you can look at that. There was a lot of people that were skeptical of Romney and also skeptical of Trump. If you look at the Venn diagram of sure. personal character um, of Romney and Trump, 
the circles barely touch. Right. <laughs> There's, I mean, to be fair, uh, Donald Trump and Mitt Romney have led wildly different personal lives. Sure. But they were both kind of Johnny come lately to the pro-life movement. Mm-hmm. They were both. Both conveniently took very pro-life positions when it was advantageous for them to do so. Correct. Did not have pro-life positions when it wasn't advantageous, et cetera. Both declared avowedly pro-choice during the 1990s. Um, both at, at best, um, squishy on the issue of you know gay marriage and things like that um so i i I would say the the reason i bring this up is that there are some conservatives and i think eric erickson would be one of these people um that would say okay you know i'm i'm skeptical of these individuals and same thing with john mccain john mccain the one thing in john mccain's credit was he at least was fairly consistently pro-life yeah Except when it came to voting to overturn Obamacare, uh, <laughs> which would have been one of the biggest pro-life votes you could ever taken and defunding yeah, yeah. Planned Parenthood, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. uh, but no, we're going to do thumbs down. Yeah. Anyway, all this to say is that Eric Erickson is is neither a um, pro-Trump um, uh, at all costs. You know, look, I've, I've been on board from the beginning, but he is also not a never Trump person in the way of like a Jen Rubin, former co- or current columnist from The Washington Post. Uh, or other people like that who have basically abandoned any conservative principles in or in service of saying that they are still never Trump. Eric Erickson is someone who I think has has kind of evolved and said, you know what, um, I still disagree with some of what the president has said uh, and some of the things he's done in his personal life. But you kind of got to look at his record after two years. You got to look at the fact that he is running for re-election on continuing those policies of the last two years. And based on that, um, it, yes, if President Trump came out and said, yeah, you know what? I've shifted my position. I'm going to appoint future Supreme Court justices like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Then I think that even people that are uh, ha- have been longtime supporters of President Trump, if he shifted his position and said, I am abandoning my conservative credentials of the last two years and I'm going to start going liberal on uh, justices. I think even people who have been pro-President Trump up to this point would probably say, okay, sorry, you know, I'm out. Deal me out. That's a bridge too far. But if you look at the results, John, I don't think there's necessarily anything uh, disingenuous or I'd even say hypocritical about changing your position based on new evidence that has come to light. Sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think if your initial position is I'm very concerned about this because there's no track record and then once a track record develops, you become more sure. I mean that that seems like a fair position to take. Um and uh yeah, I I, th- I think there are a lot of ways in which that is more fair. I think what's not fair is the Jen Rubens of the world who have now in their desire to continue to hate president Trump have completely flipped on all of the positions that they said that they, that they claim to have formally held uh, to the point that she now no longer advertises herself as a conservative columnist in the Washington post. Now she's just a columnist. So, and she's frankly very liberal now. Yes. And when we come back in our final segment today, I, I want to talk about all that lead up to Eric Erickson's article on Pete Buttigieg uh, titled Pete Buttigieg uh, is a hypocrite. (laughs) We'll come back on Life, Family, Liberty.
welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. And are we live again on Facebook? Not yet, but we will right. be shortly. Will. All right. If you are, uh, if you're watching uh, your Facebook page, but you're not hearing it, hopefully you're at least listening online. I'm going to ask uh, my lovely wife, Julia, if she can hear us now. Uh, she has been our... Uh, our kind eyes of and focus ears. group, our one-person focus group. No, she and Holly. Yeah, it's been yep. uh, been a rough day on the tech side. So yep. thank you, Comcast. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we need to do. This is uh, always the trick of doing live radio, folks. It always kind of amazes me when you hear people. Um, Julia says, uh, "I said working," and she says, "I can hear you." Still sounds awful. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> That's well, a plus. Uh, folks, uh, we will see, hopefully if you're watching on, uh, Facebook, you can at least see us and hear us. Okay. At this point, uh, we will see what we can do moving forward. We may have to go back to the, uh, old tried and true of actually going over to the studio, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought I had worked out all the kids. Oh, well. All right. Uh, it sounds like you're down a well, says my wife. Well, that's, yeah, of course, that's what we're trying to do. We want to sound go. like we are uh, coming to you live from uh, the bottom of the well, Lassie frantically searching for help up above so we don't drown. Uh, but for those of you watching on Facebook and struggling through, fighting through on the audio, I want to read you an article from Eric Erickson. Uh, this is the article I was trying to find, just published today, and Eric Erickson replies and says... Uh, Let me see here if I can read the actual title. He says, uh, it's actually kind of a funny title, which I think is a great point. He says, uh, he says, uh, gee, progressive quote unquote Christians are really defensive this morning about Pete Buttigieg saying abortion is a moral issue and we can't govern based on our morality after saying Trump's not a good Christian because he doesn't govern based on what scripture says. Yeah, there you go. So I want to read you, it's a short article. It's it's very interesting how liberal Christians do this weird dance of like, well, we can't impose morality, but I'm going to impose, I'm going to impose morality as it relates to whether our, our moral viewpoints regarding immigration or this or that, but not as it relates to abortion, even though all of them involve other persons being treated justly or unjustly, but no, 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 no. We impose our Christian values in this sense, but not in this one. So let me let me read you a little bit of this article. Um, first off, Byron York sums up the interview with Chuck Todd thusly. He says, Pete Buttigieg makes his appeal to evangelicals. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Hey, <laughs> who, who doesn't um, who doesn't want to flock to a message like that's that? That's right. After being called a hypocrite. So this is this is the article from Eric Erickson at the Resurgent. He says on Meet the Press. This is the title. On Meet the Press, Pete Buttigieg shows why progressive Christianity is a hypocritical farce. <laughs> So tell us how you really feel, Eric Erickson. Um, But here's the article. Pete Buttigieg keeps trying to play a Christian on television, and it goes badly for him again. Buttigieg recently said of Donald Trump, quote, It is hard to look at his actions and believe they are the actions of someone who believes in God. On Meet the Press yesterday, Chuck Todd asked Buttigieg about that. Buttigieg said he thought evangelicals backing President Trump were hypocritical because when he goes to church, he hears talking about... He hears about taking care of the widows, the poor refugees, but Trump does not do that. Buttigieg went on to draw a distinction. In his professional conduct, Trump does not take care of widows and refugees as scripture commands, and Buttigieg is right on this. Then, Buttigieg continues that in Trump's personal life as well, he falls short of Christian behavior. He's right on that part too, by the way, but then we all are sinners. You can see the full exchange here. 
Interestingly, Buttigieg goes on to say that evangelicals are too focused on sexual ethics these days. He seems to be arguing that they need to drop that aspect of their faith as he has. <laughs> this is directly uh, Eric Erickson. Then comes the pivot exposing Buttigieg's own hypocrisy. Buttigieg thinks that the president is not really behaving as one who believes in God because, as president, Trump does not take care of widows, the orphans, the poor, and the refugees. Chuck Todd asks about his position on abortion, and Buttigieg's response is that abortion is a moral issue and we cannot al- uh, legislate, legislate morality. morality. So I won't play the audio clip from Meet the Press. You can go watch it, but I want to read the last couple paragraphs here. Uh, Erickson goes on to say, this is why progressive Christianity is so corrupt and flawed. As much as Buttigieg makes a valid critique the president's behavior and evangelicals excusing that behavior. Buttigieg wants to reject the inconvenient parts of faith he does not like. He is a gay man who got married. He does not think homosexuality is a skin, despite express statements in scripture. And he thinks abortion is a moral issue and we cannot legislate morality. He wants to use the social obligations of the president against the president. Uh, uh, As so, Christians. Right. Against the president. But he wants to avoid any implication of the personal obligations of Christians in terms of the clear biblical sexual ethics of how we're and how we are to live our lives, applying our faith to the least of these, a.k.a. the unborn. He wants to have it both ways. And reality is showing he is no a no better Christian than Donald Trump. (laughs) What is particularly (laughs) damning here is that Buttigieg claims to be governed by some moral code and he claims he will lead as a more moral president than President Trump. At the same time, he claims we cannot do exactly what he is proposing. Everyone has a moral code, and we conduct our actions by our own moral code. Buttigieg just wants to pass on his moral code, which is all about not taking inconvenient stands on parts of scripture that might make his life a bit uncomfortable. He will wield it against the president and abdicate it when it comes to himself. Frankly, Buttigieg makes a valid criticism of evangelicals who gave President Trump a pass on his bad behavior. It actually is a valid criticism. Now, remember, this is why I brought up before that I think Eric Erickson is he, he's calling a spade a spade here. Yeah. He's, he's telling the truth and saying, look, I I'm not willing to uh, compromise my personal c- code of conduct or my personal beliefs on sexual morality based on President Trump. Uh, going back to the article, he says there are too many evangelicals unwilling to call the president to account for his failures to repent, doubling down on bad behavior, etc. However, Buttigieg is not making the point that Christians should vote for Democrats. He is making the case that they should stay home. Therein lies the rub. He does not think rub. He does not think anyone should legislate their morality, so why should anyone vote their morality? Ultimately, however, Amer- Christians can be Americans and Christians. They must put their faith first, which is something Buttigieg himself is unwilling to do except when it is convenient. Given the choices of a bunch of terribly flawed candidates, it really is understandable that Christians are willing to side with the one who will protect their right to exercise their religion in their daily lives rather than the one who offers platitudes with persecution. Yeah. And exactly. that, uh, that is a phenomenal line. Um, platitudes with persecution. Final and, final paragraph. Yeah, and that's a there's this fundamental question. I, I, I There are a lot of phrases in modern politics as it relates to religion that I hate. The wall of separation between church and state. Um, that's one of them. I think one I hate more than any other is you can't legislate morality. Gosh, I hate that. I do it too. It makes no sense. Almost all of legislation is a kind of legislated morality. Yes. It's all, uh, whether it be a, a, even something as mundane as a speed limit. Yep. That is a legislated morality. It's a legislation saying, hey, it's dangerous and it puts human life at risk if you drive over 45 in this stretch of road. And we believe that human life is precious and valuable 
and it shouldn't be threatened by you driving 60 miles per hour in this zone that really it's only safe for you to drive about 45. Yep. So don't do it. And all morality, <laughs> all legislation practically is legislative morality. There's tons of legislation we do for moral reasons. Uh what it seems to mean when people say you can't legislate morality is you cannot legislate a morality that I disagree with or that some people in society disagree with or that tends in some way to inhibit my perceived freedom. Um, and that's that's really what it means. So I want to close with a tweet from our friend Lila Rose. She She quote tweets Mayor Pete. Um, and this is talking about President Trump. A An article came out recently where he was talking about MS-13 gang members trying to sneak across the border and get asylum. And he said, you know, these aren't people. These aren't humans. These are animals. And talking about the, the people who are uh, these violent gang members. Yes. And Pete Buttigieg, in a tweet that has gotten tons of play, I think it's like, yeah, 174,000 likes. 25,000 retweets. You don't refer to human beings as animals. You just don't. Lila replies, so decapitating, dismembering, and suctioning to death children in the womb is perfectly acceptable, but calling brutal and murderless gang members is wrong. Animals Animals is wrong. That's the problem, John. Like you said, all of this is legislating morality. Of course. And uh, frankly, I'm on the side of maybe not killing people over occasionally some harsh rhetoric. There you go. We will talk next week with hopefully less technical problems on life, family, liberty. 